Hello and welcome to this episode of the Writing Talk podcast. I'm your host, Michael Campling, known to friends as Mikey. And in this episode, we're going to be looking into the good old chestnut of whether to go wide or opt for Kindle Unlimited. And if you're not quite sure what those terms mean, stick around and I will explain them in the show. And there'll be a Writer's Toolbox section at the end where I'll point you to some couple of resources that might help. Welcome to the Writing Talk podcast, the show that helps you to build your skills as we go on our writing journey together. Okay, one of the things I'm going to be trying with this podcast is to delve into some of the wider issues around publishing, marketing, all that other stuff. So before, I've really been focusing on the craft of writing, but I think there's only so far I can get with that on my own. So I have been doing this a while and perhaps just by discussing some things, we'll be able to, uh, you know, tease out some of the issues between us as we go forward. So I'm going to do a series on that. If there's something that you'd like me to cover on that, please do go over to the site at writingtalkpodcast.com and comment on one of the posts there where I'll be sure to see it and, and pop your reply. And there's also the uh, the Facebook group, um, the WTP workshop. And again, the links to that should be on the site. So that's your go-to place to uh, land on and then go from there. And, you know, if there's something that I can help with by just not so much giving advice, but going away and thinking about it and seeing what I can come up with, seeing if I can find some resources for you and things like that, you know, I will do that. So give me a shout over there. Okay, so this issue comes up from time to time. And a bit of a spoiler alert is that at the end of this discussion, I'm not going to be able to tell you specifically what to do. You will have to decide that for yourself, which is a bit frustrating, I know. But hopefully, um, if we can uh, discuss some of the issues, um, we'll be able to just tease them out, especially if you're new to this uh, area. For simplicity, um, Kindle Unlimited is the name that is given to the scheme for readers. So that's really what readers sign up for. What authors sign up for is KDP Select. But for ease of discussion, I will just call it KU because that's something that people have tended to do. I find most authors now uh, just refer to some things. Are you in KU? They don't say, are you in KDP Select? So we'll just say KU and you'll know that I'm in KDP Select. Okay. So when you sign up for KU with Amazon, There are certain conditions that you need to obey in order to stay on that program. And the main one of those is that you must only publish that material, whatever it is, a novel or a short story, a novella, whatever it is. It must only be available on Amazon, on the Kindle store. It cannot be available as an ebook anywhere else. You can do what you like with paperback. You can do what you like with audio. But if your book is in the KU scheme, that book cannot appear in any other form anywhere else. Uh, There's some discussion over whether you can even send out a review copy because that is kind of making something available free. And Amazon don't really want you to do that. You probably can do that because it says you can do it for the purposes of improving it. So in other words, you can send it to editors and things, which is what they're they're visualising. But perhaps, you know, if you're sending it to beta readers and things, I'm sure you've got nothing to worry about. 
What you can't do is publish it on your blog, have it in, in an anthology or give it to anybody else to publish. You know, that title has to be in its entirety on Amazon and nowhere else. In return, it goes into the KU scheme and readers who pay however many dollars it is per month can then read your book. They can borrow it for free and it's not exactly free because they're paying every month, um, but they can borrow it and they read it. And the way you get paid is you get a fraction of a cent for each page read. So assuming that people read it all, you'll get that equivalent amount. And that's probably all doing in terms of explanation for that. We can go into another discussion of of the details another time, perhaps, but we've got a lot to cover. So, so that's the KU scheme. And by going wide, people generally mean not signing up for the KU scheme, but making your book available on all the other retailers or certainly as many other main ones as you like, or possibly even selling it yourself. So why is it an issue for you? Why could it be an issue? Um, we'll, we'll go through it and we'll see what we can come up with. So I've, I've been in both, just so you know. Um, I have in the past, I've experimented going backwards and forwards. And that, to be honest, isn't a good idea. I think whatever you're going to do, you need to stick at it for really quite a long time. And we're talking more in terms of a year or so. We're not talking of weeks or months. OK, now a, a KU term is 90 days, so about three months. So you can try it for three months and see how you get on with it. Um, and you can opt to to renew it and so on. But, you know, jiggering with things in and out isn't the best way. There are some smart ways to do it. And some people do do clever things where they um, work out some clever little ways of, of serving uh, both readerships by perhaps uh, putting in for a certain term or making it available somewhere else and then going into KU. There, there are tricks around it and we'll come to those a bit later, perhaps. So one of the things you're going to find straight away is if you sign up for KU, because your book can only be on one store, immediately you've got a simplification of the work that you have to do. You're managing your inventory, if you like, becomes simple. Now, if you've got one or two books, you're probably thinking, well, that's not really an issue. If you've got 20 odd, it does become an issue um, because you've got to sort of keep all the covers up to date or the back copy up to date and so on. Um, so sticking into KU means one set of inventory to manage, one set of royalties to collect, one set of tax information to think about and so on. Everything becomes singular. Um, if you're going into the other platforms, then you've got multiple um, streams of income to think about. You've got multiple, uh, I wouldn't say problems, but you've got multiple things to deal You've got lots of things to deal with, basically. It does multiply your work. Um, I will come to that in a moment when we go into the discussion of wide about how you can make those things easier. So you get this simplicity and that's, that's a kind of a bonus. And for some people, that can be a swinging factor. Say, you know, you're holding down a full-time job and you're writing, snatching those moments to write. Well, you're probably better off in that case using the time you've got to focus on writing your next book instead of having to worry about uploading things to different platforms and so on. You know, that, that could be an issue. If time is your critical thing, if it's your make or break thing, you've only got so many time, so much time in the day to play with, 
then you, you might want to go in to KU just for the pure simplicity of it, the ease of management. One of the other advantages of KU is that you get the free days, you get the um, five days per term. You get these days where you can set a title for free on Amazon and that works across all the stores. And if you're um, using that as a promotional tool, then that can be good. Now, I think there's quite a lot of discussion going on at the moment about the value of free. Does it get you follow on sales? Um, it's it's a tricky one to say at the moment. I don't know how much time and effort it's worth investing in giving away a book for free at the moment. I think it used to be quite a good trick that you could um, you could get a book to shoot up the free charts and then you'd get some follow on sales. I don't know if that's so easy now. And then you've got to start wondering whether the readership you're attracting are not people who would be prepared to buy your books. Are you only getting freebie hunters? Um, if you are, then perhaps, you know, that they aren't really the people you want on your mailing list and so on. You know, that they're, they're not a readership. They're not customers um, that you really want because they only want the free ones, perhaps. So, but it's there. Um, the other thing is the Kindle countdown deals. Now, Kindle countdown deals are quite fun because they're nicely controllable. So you can schedule in advance the days that you want your book to count down in price. Uh, and you can do it in stages if you wish. So if it's an expensive book, you know, if it's a big box set or something, and it's ten dollars, then you can make it ninety nine cents for so many days, and then it goes up to one ninety nine or two ninety nine or something. And the other thing about a Kindle countdown deal is that whilst a book is at the reduced price, you still get the seventy percent royalties. And normally, if you price a ebook below two dollars ninety nine, then your royalties will halve from. 70% to 35%. During a Kindle countdown deal, that doesn't happen. So if your book's only $1, roughly, you'll be getting roughly 70 cents, not the 35. The downside of the Kindle countdown deals, uh, which lasts for about a week, um, is that they are only available at the time of recording on the UK stores and the USA stores. So I've used them in the past and I find myself having to do a rigmarole in my newsletter, perhaps saying, OK, this book's on such and such a deal, but it's not for everybody yet. And then um, and there are some price restrictions around the Kindle countdown in the period immediately before and in the period immediately after. You can't change the price again and you'll see the price will be locked in your dashboard. So it can tie up in knots a little bit and... When you're trying to attract readers from all around the world, which is probably a good idea to do, um, the Kindle countdown deals can be a bit of a bit of a handful. I mean, they can be good. They can be useful. One trick I've seen people do, which is quite fun, and I've done this myself, is if you because you can't change the price for a month beforehand. If you've got a pre-order coming up and you put the pre-order for a month, that means that as soon as just after the book's launched, you'll be able to do a Kindle countdown deal. So you'll be able to do your fan pricing days. And because you schedule those price changes in, they do happen very quickly on the time and the date that they are meant to. So it's, you know, it's clever. Um, 
but it is a bit annoying if uh, you're having to say, okay, this is a special offer, but if you're in Australia or Canada or something, you can't have this, I'm afraid. You have to wait. Then you've got to wait a couple of weeks and then you've got to change the price for them, perhaps. It just sort of gets a bit of a an annoyance. So then you've got the the downside, really, is this, this restriction about uh, not making your book available elsewhere. Um, it can be a bit annoying to have that. The, the KU system has been open in the past to spammers and people, sorry, scammers, um, manipulating the system and having click farms and so on who are paid to sort of inflate page reads. And I've had one of those nasty emails that you get from the, um, there's, a, there's a team whose name I've forgotten, but there's a team at Amazon, the content reviews team or something, and they send these rather terrifying emails that say, you've been doing something in violation, we will... You won't be paid and we'll cancel your account. We'll shut your KDP, shut your Kindle publishing account. Oh, no, I haven't even done anything. And you can't even contact these people. They they are unreachable. Um, In my case, I hadn't done anything wrong. I never got to the bottom of it. No no action was taken against me. I I did sort of send emails, you know, to various people um, wanting to know what was going on. But at the time, it's quite a stressful thing to happen if we get one of those emails. Um, if you're not in KU, of course, they, they can't send you those because there's no risk of your page reads um, being manipulated because you haven't got any page reads. So you do feel a little bit as though you're in the control of uh, Amazon and it depends how you feel about that. I don't think that, you know, Amazon is this terrible big bad bully. Um, it's easy to to sort of demonise a distributor in this way, but I don't think it's useful. And some of the scare stories you hear are probably not based on fact or people jumping, they might be people jumping to conclusions and so on. On the whole, there are a lot of of authors in KU and there are some really big names in there and there are quite a few people, uh, you know, making lots of money in it. It's a totally legit scheme and... It's just one of the tools that you've got available to you and, and consider it in that light. And as I said before, it does simplify things. So you might think, OK, it's simpler. I get these promotional tools I can use. Um, it works for me. I'll get paid for those page reads. It's it's all good. So, you know, you might you might well decide that. And getting paid for, paid for those page reads is interesting because it does give you another way of looking at your income. And when you compare that to the money you might spend on advertising, then you might find that the page reads are enough to tip the balance into making the advertising you're doing profitable. So say you're doing Facebook advertising, the royalties on their own enough might not be enough to make it pay. But if you are getting the the KU page reads as well, you might find that combined they are enough to make the advert profitable. And so if you've got an advert going out that is earning money, then you're onto a winner. So that's something to bear in mind. It does change the economics. Um, it's very easy for people to try your book because they've already paid their $10 or whatever it is. And so it's very it's an easy decision. If they see your books available, they can click on it and give it a go and you'll get paid if they read it. There are some people who are in KU because they are avid readers and they read so many books, it would just be really expensive for them um, if they had to buy each one. 
So perhaps, you know, they're people who read a lot on a commute or something and they're churning through the books. Um, and great, you know, if they like your book and it's in a genre where those readers are, um, it can be really good for you in that you're earning income from those reads. And those people being avid readers will be keen to not just read that book, but the next book and the next book and the next book. So if you've got a series, the page reads can add up. If you get this very critical thing of read through where people, that's people who read the percentage of people who read one book and then read the next book and then the percentage of that book who read the third book and so on. Those things can accumulate and be really good. So worth thinking about. Some people think that... Um, if they're in KU, this being a, an Amazon scheme, that Amazon will kind of tip the scale in your favour and give you a quick boost up the ranks. Now, as far as I know, that is just speculation. It's the kind of thing that none of us really know when these ideas can take hold. Um, and I believe I've seen David Gochran say that he thinks this is, you know, not true, but you, you need to check that out. I mean, it, it doesn't really quite make sense. I guess... People reading it, Amazon know people are reading it, so that might feed into the algorithm perhaps, but I don't know, and none of us really know if it's working. But I don't think that is enough to affect a decision particularly. I, I don't think that's really worth uh, worrying over if there's some kind of a conspiracy to only promote Amazon books or KU books. I don't think so at all. You'll find lots of very high-ranking books that aren't in KU, for instance. So these readers who are, who are coming along in KU, you may find that it's very positive. You're getting lots of page reads and they're loving your books. There can be a downside to attracting KU readers, I think, because when people are picking books without having to pay for them, they'll sometimes perhaps not bother with the look inside thing. They perhaps not even read the product description. Or they, may, they may have just had a quick skim and a look at the cover and said, yep, I'll try that. And then if it's not quite what they want... They are people are going to be dissatisfied. Maybe they're going to leave you bad reviews and so on. Um, it, you know, you've got to wonder whether uh, that is the readership you want. It's difficult to say. I'm not trying to label people and say all these KU readers are like this one, you know, stereotype, because I, I don't think that's true at all. I'm sure there are loads of uh, fantastic readers who would love your book in there. But it's just it is possible to have a negative experience as well that might be related to the fact the books in KU. It's just something to bear in mind. I think it's a bit like, uh, you know, if there's the all, all you can eat buffet and you go along and you pick stuff you don't really want just because <laughs> just because it's it's there and it's, you know, you don't need to pay any extra. So you think, oh, well, I'll have that as well. One of the nice things about it is that it doesn't matter when people read it. So if they borrow it today and they don't read it for a, a month, you you will get paid for it. Um, so that's that's another thing to bear in mind. Being limited to just being on Amazon very much puts you at the mercy of their algorithms and their ranks and their charts and so on. Um, you can try to intervene in that with advertising, like uh, the AMS advertising or perhaps Facebook advertising or something. But you will be kind of engaged in that battle to uh, try and get into the ranks and trying to get into the various charts and so on because everybody else is doing it. Everyone else is promoting. And if you are not, then your book will just simply slip down the ranks. 
that's just the way it's going to go. So having gone through some of the the kind of pros and cons of things I've come across in for KU, um, we'll talk a bit about going wide. And also just for the background, I've, I've had a lot of books in Kindle Unlimited for about a year, I would say. And I am gradually experimenting with taking them out and going wide. So that's my kind of state where I am at the moment. Now, going wide does have huge potential because you have an absolutely enormous readership all over the world to look at. Now, in some countries, Kobo is a really big platform, for instance, and some of the other things coming online. I mean, Apple are not standing still. Google are not standing still. They are working hard to bring people in. Um, It's a bit of a myth, I think, that only Amazon is prospering and they're sort of sucking the life out of everything and all the others are fizzling up. Certainly not true. I mean, Apple Books have just made it easier to publish with them, much, much easier. It used to be pretty much impossible uh, unless you had a Mac, I believe. So I used to do it via Draft2Digital. And they've now made it so you can go direct with them. And there are quite a few advantages to doing it direct with them. And I put a book on there as an ex- first one, just a short one. And, you know, I have had some downloads without having to touch anything. I haven't done any advertising or anything. And it's really, it's, it's like the third book in a series. So that's kind of an odd thing. I wasn't really expecting anybody to buy it yet. It, it just kind of, it was ready. I put it in and um, some people have, have have downloaded it, you know, and only like half a dozen or something, but I was quite surprised there were any at all. Um, now, a Google on the Play Store, they are really trying to gear up as well. They've totally revamped their interface. It used to be really hard. I think it used to be into invitation only to get on there and they've done away with that. They've redone the interface and made it much more streamlined. So I think they are trying to attract authors. And if you think of the number of Android devices in the world where people can get at those books and read them, you know, all those Android devices, all those phones, all those tablets, all those Chromebooks and things, they have all got um, Google services built into them. So they will be able to uh, get your book that way. But I talked in KU about the simplicity. Well, there is a way of making things simple if you go wide, and that is to use a service like Draft2Digital. Now, I haven't really tried Publish Drive, but that is another one. Um, I've used Draft2Digital over the years for various things. Um they're, they're good people and it's a good company, a good service, a good website. It does work. Um, there's support there and so on. It It is very good and they do work hard to serve authors. And it is kind of a bit of a different vibe. I mean, Amazon say they're serving authors, but we do kind of know that uh, in a roundabout way, they want people into their ecosystem. Yes, but... Um, they also kind of want to control. So you're going to have no issues of exclusivity um, using somebody like Drafter Digital. They, they they have lots of tools there you can use, whether you even publish with them or not. I mean, you can use that ebook conversion uh, tool even if you don't publish it. So I, I think they're good and you'll find a lot of people um, using those services. And 
I haven't got anything bad to say. They, they are bringing on new services as well. And they also distribute things like Overdrive, which is a library service. So you can say to people, look, you know, maybe you can't afford many books, but please request my book at your library service. Um, and perhaps your library can um, order it for you and get it available on their system. And that's, you know, not difficult. It's all kind of stuff with a few clicks. You can set up all kinds of things. And as well, one of the nice things is something like Drafted Digital. They don't force you down any pathway. So they have things that are automated. You can sort of do your front matter and your back matter separately. That might be great for you. But you might think, well, actually, no, I want to control it myself book by book. And so you just don't tick those boxes. And that's fine. So they do keep adding more features and it's good stuff. Um, A lot of people go direct to Kobo because Kobo has its own promotional tools built into it. So they might use draft to digital for some of the platforms and then go direct to Kobo. Um, You also have to go direct for the Google Google Play Store. That's okay. That's been made easier now. Apple, you can choose. You can either go through draft to digital or you can go direct to them. There's not a lot in it, really. So unlike the various restrictions that you have with KU, you have unlimited flexibility, really. If you're going wide, you can do what you want. You can do what you want with the price when you want. Um, So you have freedom to choose and to control how it goes. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. If you want to give away a book, um, you know, to your email subscribers or something, you don't have to worry. Are you going to get kicked out of anything? Are you going to get, you know, my your account closed down? Uh, you can really do what you want. You can put things on your blog. You can um, have things in different anthologies. It's totally, uh, it's kind of like getting your content back, really. Um, and I think that's worth it. Now, I think by being on these other stores, you're probably getting... Uh, an increase in discoverability, which is a, a tough nut to crack. I think some of the other stores, the algorithms, I would guess, this is just sort of anecdotal, really. They are probably a bit easier to get stickiness in them because it's not quite that dog-eat-dog competitiveness that you're going to find on Amazon. So I think you might find that uh, that your your book can become a bit more visible, assuming you've done a good book that readers like. I think you perhaps stand a little bit more chance. Now, yeah, they don't have the market share. You know, that's you could say, well, that's just such a massive downside. Amazon has a huge market share. And one way of looking at at KU is to think, right, the might of Amazon is busy using all their marketing strengths to grab people, persuade them to sign up to KU so they can read your book. So you've kind of got Amazon working on your behalf if you're in KU, because there they are saying to people, hey, would you like to subscribe? Would you like to do it? You know, uh, you can have this for a month free. They're emailing people. They're working a way to get people into a position where they can read your book and then you'll be rewarded for that. Um, So that's one way of looking at it. And that that can work really well. But you will have to sacrifice the kind of the flexibility and the freedom and also that sense of kind of being in control of things. Um, That's a toss up. And and lots of people will kind of say, well, actually, for some people, 
I'm absolutely fine with it. You know, let Amazon do their thing. For other people, they think this makes me uneasy. You know, it's, I can't sleep at night. It's too much on my eggs in one basket and so on. Um, and if that's, you know, causing you stress, then it's not a good option, is it really? So you've, you've got to kind of make that that value judgment. And you could say, well, it, that's by the by. The value judgment has nothing to do with the economics of it. But actually, I think it is important. Uh, because a lot of people value their independence in, in, you know, we call ourselves indies. And if, are you really an indie if you only publish on Amazon? You're kind of not, you're kind of an Amazon publisher, but um, that could be fine. You know, it's it's a tool there. It can be used. And it. I think the value judgment is part of it. Um, so again, if you go wide, you've got more people to advertise to. You're not getting those page reads, but on the other hand, you may be getting sales on other platforms. Now, I have heard that, say, something like BookBub ads is really tough if you're just on Kindle Unlimited because BookBub tries to serve all readers, no matter where they are in the world, no matter what platform they're reading on. So something like BookBub ads are not going to work particularly well for you if you're just on that one platform. They really like people to be wide. Um, I mean, I know it's quite hard to get a BookBub featured deal if you are on KU. That is anecdotal evidence, but I've heard it so many, so many times. It does seem to be, you know, pretty much true. I have heard of people getting featured deals. That's where you pay quite a bit of money to BookBub and they send you out a big feature. And then they send out a big feature in an email to all the people who've signed up to to read in various genres. So if you write crime or something, people have ticked a book to say, I'm interested in hearing special offers on crime books. And they'll get an email with special offers from BookBub. And it's quite hard to get a, a featured place in that in those emails cost quite a lot of money and they really prefer people to be in all the stores because their subscribers are on all the stores. So it'd be mad for them to keep sending out emails to, to people who then can't download the damn book in the first place, if you see what I mean. So it opens up uh, different options and you might say, well, I'd prefer to get sales no matter where they are, because if you're going wide, a sale is a sale. It doesn't matter whether it's on Kobo or Apple or Google Play or whatever. It's just, it's a sale. And we all know what that is. We can relate to that. It's a bit more, it's a bit less of a slippery concept than the page read. Um, so, and that, that can help. And it might be, you know, you don't know whether your books are going to take off on Apple or something. And it could be that there are, you know, loads of people in your genre reading on their their Apple phones or something or on their Android phones and they really are starved of material. So, you know, that could be you. That that could work for you. You know, a sale is a sale and worth having. So you might find that the increase in sales on the different platforms offsets the loss of the KU page reads. I would say that I think both strategies are long-term strategies. They are both things you need to think about sticking to, not just in terms of months, but I think you're looking, you know, at a kind of a long haul of a, of a year or so um, to to really experiment and make the most of each platform. I would just 
slightly caution against just jumping on the bandwagon that everyone else is doing. Um, we all tend to do this. And I think with indie authors, it's partly our lack of confidence because we're, we're working on our own pretty much. And we see somebody doing something and we think, OK, that could work for me. Let's try that. And then we see somebody else doing something else, you know, different. And we jump on and we try that. And actually, this sense that you must do what everybody else is doing isn't necessarily the best. There's kind of a saying, isn't there, about you should zig when everybody else zags. And I think that's worth bearing in mind as indie authors that you need to be thinking in a smart, intelligent way about where your readers are and how you can best serve your readers and how you can build up your email list of engaged people who want to hear from you. So, you know, if you're going to be sending out all these emails to people, are you going to have to say to some of them, here's my latest book, but by the way, you might not be able to get it because it's only on Amazon. And there are plenty of readers who won't or don't use Amazon. There are lots of people who, who are just against it or it's not very good in their country or whatever reason, they don't do it. You know, they, they much prefer uh, other stores and there are all kinds of reasons for that. And you, you've got kind of you kind of a, a reader education, a reader retraining. Um, if you're going into KU, you've got to kind of get people on board. And I've seen that work. Um, I've seen people find imaginative ways around it. Um, I, When I put some books into KU, I basically lifted the idea from someone else of several people I think I'd seen doing it, saying, OK, uh, maybe you don't use, you don't read on a Kindle or whatever, but if you if you buy it from Amazon and you know forward me the receipt, I'll send you the book in a EPUB form so that you can read it on your e-reader or whatever. Uh, nobody ever took me up on it, so um, I don't know if that's just because I don't you know sell enough books or what. But um, but I think part of that issue is confidence. You're wondering are there readers out there? Are they in the places where I'm going to be sending my book? And there are readers. I mean, there are readers on Kobo. There are readers on Apple. There are readers who read KU. They are all out there. And there are an awful lot of them that are enough for you to make a living from selling books to those people or getting them to borrow them. Um, and make a decision, I would say. Decide what is important to you. If it's an issue of time and simplicity, managing your inventory, your income, your taxes and so on, you might want to go to KU. Um, you can still keep things pretty simple and go wide by using something like draft to digital and I would recommend them. I don't have any affiliation or anything with them, um, but I don't really have experiences of, of the others, but I've been with draft to digital for years and uh, it all works. So that can keep things very simple. But I don't think you should be swayed by anecdotal evidence. I don't think you're going to learn much by comparing yourself to other much more successful authors or authors in wildly different genres. Just because you see somebody doing something, you know, in romance might not help you if you write sci-fi. So you've got to kind of take with a pinch of salt a lot of the um, advice and a lot of the stories out there. We kind of work well when we try new things, when we, we experiment with new platforms, 
you're being part of being in India is being able to, I don't particularly like this word pivot, but you know what I mean, to, to be able to quickly change direction and say, okay, this is happening. This is happening. Let's try that. Um, it's harder if everything is tied up. Some people are, are trying direct sales where you sell it to your, direct to the readers without any of the other retailers being involved. You sell it from your own website and the various ways of doing that. And some people are finding that really works. And then you've got a, you've got a very, very direct relationship with that reader. I mean, if you can do that, great. Um, th- there's all kinds of ways of doing it. But you can't do that and be in KU. You've got to make your mind up. So really, at the end of the day, still the same things matter. You need a good book that's going to resonate with some readers. It needs to have a reasonable cover, a pretty good cover these days. Um, You need to have some really good sales copy to sell it. And I don't say a blurb because people get very confused and they end up putting a synopsis up there. I mean, maybe I should do a show just about sort of getting some sales copy. I'm not an expert on it, but it is something you've got to keep working at. It's part of your Part of your writing skill is to get that sales copy. It's not that easy a thing to do at first, but I think just by learning, there are books out there on, on sales copy and so on. And perhaps we'll, we'll make that into another programme and then I'll be I'll link to some resources in another programme. So maybe next week I'll talk about trying to get your sales copy together and find some resources for you. We'll see. But I think I have waffled on for quite long enough. Whether I've made it clear or whether I've muddied the waters, I'm not sure. But I hope I've kind of made it a little bit clearer. And you've got to decide, you know, make make a list of some pros and cons. What is going to work for you in the long term? And just remember that both these strategies are long term strategies. In the writer's toolbox section this week, I'll just mention a couple of resources to kind of help you decide. And the links to these will be on the site. One of them is a really good blog post over at David Gochran's blog, and it's called A Tale of Two Marketing Systems. And in that, he very clearly elucidates the difference in approach to marketing a book that is in KU as opposed to a book that is wide. And it is really worth reading and rereading and, you know, bookmark it or something. Um, and while you're there, sign up for his uh, his newsletters on marketing and so on. And you'll get a free book and uh, you'll get a really good email coming in you know, about once a week and maybe a little bit more. And it's all good stuff, really. It's, it's really stuff that's worth having a, a look through. And, and if you don't want the emails, then, you know, certainly follow his blogs and uh, and or follow him on Twitter or something and catch up with what he's doing. Uh, Plenty of good stuff there that will really help you to sort of pick through it. The other thing is a book which I believe is free on lots of platforms. And it's a book by Patty Jansen called Going Wide Unboxed. And I believe it's free on things like Kobo. Uh, One of the hard things, one of the things you can't do that I should have mentioned earlier If you're in Kindle Unlimited, you can't make a book permanently free or as we often call it, perma-free. Because the only way to do that is to sell it everywhere else and then say to Amazon, excuse me, but this book is free on Kobo and Apple and so on and send them some links. And they'll say, "Okay, we'll price match it and it'll be permanently free. 
Um, but you can't, of course, do that if you're not selling it anywhere else and you're not allowed to sell it anywhere else if you're in KU. So you can only have those free days. You can't have it permanently free. And that strategy has worked in the past. If you've got a big, nice, big, long series, if you want to make the first one free, perma-free, that has worked in the past. Not sure that it still works quite as well now. You'll hear anecdotal evidence either way. There are certainly some people um, still doing it. And, you know, I've done it myself. I've, I've kind of thought, mm, OK, should I, should I try this series? Well, the first one's free. OK, I'll give it a go. And if I've liked it, I've then gone on and, and bought subsequent books. Um, OK, so those are my, my couple of resources for you to look at. I think that about wraps it up. Please do get in touch over on the website at writingtalkpodcast.com. Let me know what you'd like to discuss uh, and see what we can come up with. I may have some interviews uh, later on, perhaps. It'd be nice to get a few people on so you wouldn't have to just listen to me. We can have some, uh, some discussions there. And I'll leave you to mull that over. So... Keep scribbling, keep tapping the keys, and while you're doing it, keep smiling. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Bye.